a lot, isn't it? Hi everyone and welcome to the final episode of It's Lot with Abby Chatfield for 2020. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am having a break for December. I just need a bit of a, a bit a bit of a moment um, to give my thoughts, get some really good content for you guys in 2021. There are some huge changes to the podcast coming, some really exciting things happening that I promise are gonna make for a list, better listening experience, better content, and just an all-around better time. Um, Now, in this episode, I must warn you, I cry a lot at the start. I was having a bit of a hard week mental health-wise, a lot of anxiety going on that I haven't had for a little while. And I just felt like recording it because I felt like it may help some of you. Um, I was triggered about some things from my previous relationship um, that I would call uh, an emotionally, at the very least, manipulative, most abusive relationship. Um, and there was a lot going on and I felt like if I recorded it, it could have been a form of therapy for me and I've listened back and I think that it, hopefully we were able to help at least one of you um, understand that, you know, even though growth is great and moving on from that person is great, it's also really painful and it's really confusing and, and progress isn't linear. Uh, then I go on a rant about the election. Now, obviously election was a little while ago, though, at this current moment when I'm recording this, Trump still hasn't conceded. So it's still kind of relevant, but I still feel like my explanation of how I feel about the election will be relevant uh, in general in politics and could help you explain and understand some things that maybe you didn't know before um, if you agree with me. So enjoy this episode. Love you all, no matter where you're listening in the world, probably Australia, but you could be somewhere else. I have some international listeners I'll have you know. So enjoy the ep. Love you all. Have a great Christmas, holidays, New Year, whatever you're celebrating. And um, let's be back for 2021 for an even better year than last. I mean, how much worse can it get? Love you all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very, 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 very late episode of It's Lot with Abby Chatfield. I'm very anxious today. Can you tell by the speed of my voice? <laughs> breaths before I start. Um, I've had a very, very anxious week. A very anxious week. I posted on my Instagram stories on the podcast Instagram and also my podcast, sorry, my Instagram account um, saying that this is going to be late and I just haven't been able to do it. My anxiety for some reason has come back in full force. Um, I'm not at my house right now, so maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I'm feeling a little bit wobbly, as uh, my friend Georgie's mum would say, feeling a bit wobbly. Um, I've been, yeah, self-medicating a bit with, I mean, well, I'm prescribed Valium, so it's not really self-medicating, is it? Is it? I don't know. Let me know in a DM. Um, But I've been, you know, just having more Valium than I usually would, and I don't like it because I guess usually, well, I should start with, I've gone off Lexapro. I said this on my Instagram stories. You probably didn't see it because I only got like half the views it normally gets because it was amongst like 5 million other stories. But um, yeah, so I've gone off Lexapro. I was on Lexapro for a few months after my grandma died and my ex-boyfriend ghosted me when my grandma died. Um, and I had that foot thing and I couldn't walk and I had a kidney infection and I got a death threat all in like six weeks. So I was on antidepressants and they worked magically they were wonderful. I loved being on Lexapro. Um, again, I'm a doctor. Please do not go on it because I've gone on it 
please don't say your doctor. My friend, because just ask your doctor or your psychiatrist what they think. You're a psychologist. Obviously, they can't prescribe, but they can talk about medication with you. But um, I was on that and um, my libido was so shit at the start. And then I got my libido up. So I wanted to have sex, but then I couldn't come. And it just became such a fucking chore. And obviously, you all know from listening to this podcast how important sex is to me. And it just became, like, not fun. And I've had some DMs saying, like, you could have used lube. And it's like, yeah, the the wetness isn't the issue. Obviously, I use lube. I love lube. Like, obviously, I, I fix the wetness issue that you get when you're on some um, SSRIs. You tend to get, like, sandpaper energy, Sahara Desert energy, like, like, you know, just dries anything. But you, you know, you can fix that with lube. Lube tends to help a lot. And usually, in my case, once I started fucking, I got naturally lubed up. It was just getting to that point. So, lube helped a lot. <sighs> Sorry. Fuck, I'm so anxious. Um, Having to do some deep breaths in between some thoughts. Um, But I couldn't come. And I, like, wasn't enjoying sex. And I wasn't enjoying sex just because I couldn't come. But I was just like... This is like a plateau. Like we'd start off and things would go from like a one to a three and then we'd just be a three the whole time. You know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. It was just not – I didn't feel connected to my sexual partners. Whether or not I wanted an emotional connection, I was sleeping with someone that I had no feelings for, but I still wanted to feel like I was like connected to him. Um, So I went off it. Um, I weaned myself off it, blah, 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 spoke to my psych about it, spoke to my GP about it, went off it. Um – and I'm feeling, I was feeling fine mentally. I replaced that with um, uh, more like weekly therapy rather than like fortnightly or like every 10 day therapy. Now it's weekly, although lately it's been hard to get in. But, you know, the usual sketch is weekly. Um, and I've also been doing some other things to help me out, but it's been pretty good. Um yeah, but unfortunately, in the past couple of in the past month or so, oh, just lay on some online shopping. Not sure if you can hear that. Um, but in the last couple of weeks or so, I have been able to get a weekly appointment, and that has made me very fucking anxious. Um, there's also a few other things going on. I mean, I am feeling a little bit um, triggered, and it's something that I'm dealing with. Um, not very well. I'm trying to deal with it. I'm trying to do like self-soothing, but I'm feeling very triggered in regards to my past relationship. I don't really want to talk about what's going on, but I'm finding myself in a situation um, where I am romantically triggered and because of my um, ex-boyfriend that I love, Barry, as we call him, um, because of, you know, the number he did on me over the years we were together um, and subsequently is still kind of doing to me. Um, um, because of, of, of that uh, and also because of my abandonment issues with my dad and other men that I've dated that have been hideous but not as hideous as ex-boyfriend that I love but I've had some pretty fucking awful boyfriends um you know 
that range from verbal abuse to fucking manipulation, neglect, um, other other hideous things. Um, I get really triggered, and in this last week or couple of weeks, I've been getting super triggered at things that I know, I know. I shouldn't be getting this upset about. Like I'm getting debilitating anxiety to the point where I cannot get out of bed because I'm triggered by something someone is doing and it's reminding me of early behavior of my ex-boyfriend that I love and it's making me feel fucking nuts basically. It's making me feel crazy. I'm like, I don't know if any of you can relate to this. I'm sure that you can. That's why I'm kind of even talking about it. Um, but like, say, for example, if, um, let me give like a metaphor. Cause I don't want to say exactly what's happening because I just don't, fuck, I just don't want, lol. God, sorry I keep stopping and starting. So I don't – it's the same as – okay, imagine if you're – okay, imagine if your ex-boyfriend or some – yeah, let's say your ex-boyfriend just for this fucking – because do with me. Your ex-boyfriend would – it's like if you used to get – um like tomatoes thrown at you all the time. And whenever you saw a tomato, you thought you were going to get it thrown at me. And someone's accidentally thrown you a tomato and it's hit your head rather than you catching it, right? They've done it by accident. They've hurt you in the same kind of manner, but it hasn't been with the intent or as extreme. But then you feel the reaction of like that past person who's like, no, no. Um, you feel like the full effect of all the things that's happened to you suddenly and it's not that person's fault and they've accidentally done it and they don't realise what they're doing. Um, but, you know, you're having to deal with and they're subsequently having to deal with um, your like past trauma and your constant fear and you're constantly on alert. You think, wow, when someone throws a tomato at me, that means I'm going to get 50 tomatoes thrown at my head. But sometimes it's just they've accidentally thrown a tomato. <laughs> I know this is making sense. Um, but obviously, like, I'm quite, like, I'm, like, it's really affecting me. And I'm in this weird position where I don't know if I'm, there are like a few options where I'm like, I don't know if I'm being crazy for having, for not wanting a tomato to be thrown at me even once. <laughs> or if the person throwing the one tomato by accident should understand that they need to come and pass me the tomato rather than throwing it at me. I don't know if it's any making sense, but I'm like, I don't know if I need to verbalize, hey, you need to just pass me the tomato. You you can't always be accidentally throwing things at my head. And I know you aren't pummeling me, but this is making me feel like I'm going to get pummeled. God, I don't even know how to like verbalize it to anyone. And I feel like I don't know if I'm being crazy. I don't know if I'm being needy. I don't know if I'm being like smothering. I don't know if I'm being like, 
or if I'm doing the same thing that I did in my last relationship where I would just, not even relationship, the same thing I do with a lot of people, I just let them do what they want and just like self-soothe and like breathe and just move on and just like pack it away and move on to the point where I don't even know what like boundaries are. I don't even know what's normal anymore. Like I genuinely don't. I don't know if everyone just gets thrown a tomato with their head back and you know, regularly, or if I should be allowed to say that I need special conditions, like I need a bit of special extra care right now, or maybe that person doesn't have the capacity to walk across and give me the hand me the tomato. <laughs> this tomato analogy to me makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure if it makes sense to everyone else, um, but it's just reminding me, like that, um, like. I don't know. Every like, like healing isn't linear, and I feel like I've hit like a really, really deep trough. And it's not this person's fault. Like, it's not this person's fault. So I don't want to talk to them about it. And lol, me casting it out my podcast of fucking how many thousand people listen to this. But I know this helps me. This is my fucking form of therapy when my doctor isn't <laughs> available. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'm being crazy. I don't know if I'm being too passive. I know if I'm self-sabotaging. Like, I know if I'm looking for things to be upset about. Um, but then I think, no, like, I genuinely am upset about this. This is, like, really affecting me. Um, and I know this person doesn't even realise they're doing it. Like, I like I know that for a fact. But it still makes me think, like, okay, but this was how it was early on with, like, ex-boyfriend that I love. And I, and I thought it was normal and I missed those signs and I got sucked in too deep. And, like, I, like, part of me is, like, well, fuck it, just like hit the self to like just block them like just get rid of them like because I used to be just like anxiously attached I have anxious attachment style and if you don't know what that is look up attachment styles I used to be just anxious and now because of ex-boyfriend that I love I'm not the worst one like I'm anxious avoidant like I don't want to be involved in any of it anymore like I feel like every time I enter into anything if someone's good to me I panic that they're going to leave me. I panic that they're going to... I panic that they're going to, um, like, get in deep enough to realise that they don't... That I don't actually, um, like, deserve to be with them if they're a good person. And they're going to get and realise, oh, no, like, I actually, you know, she just quite isn't quite good enough. You know, my whole life I felt like I was, like, 90% good enough. My whole life I've always felt like. It's always been, like, almost there. And, like, even on The Bachelor, I came second, right? It was, like, 90% good enough. And everyone's like, everything about you was amazing. But so it's like, I don't know. I get scared, you know, if someone's nice to me, they're just going to find it out anyway. So I guess... I don't know if I'm self-sabotaging or I don't know if I'm just feeling the right way how I'm supposed to feel. And obviously if someone does one little thing, it can trigger me and send me like spiraling. And it also isn't that person's fault and they shouldn't have to deal with me. And like something that my ex would always say to me would be like, I have... He'd be like, I've had to deal with you when you've been sad. And I... Obviously, to any of my friends or to any like people that wrote in, who would say, um, um, "God, what a boring episode to listen to me just cry." <laughs> um, you know, I'd be like, "Well, 
that's bullshit. It isn't a job to take care of someone that you love when they're sad. That's bullshit. Like, obviously, I know logically. Like, I know all this logically. But when you are sad yourself and you feel like... You feel like you don't want to be, a, like, the burden on someone else. And, you know, if they're going through their own things or if, you know... Because everyone's going through their own stuff all the time. All the time someone's going through something. You know, big or small. But you don't want to be an extra burden on them. And then the way that I've been told by people that have even recently dated is that, like, my trauma and my, like, past experiences with people is a turn off. The fact that I put up with it. So I don't want to talk to people about it. And I don't want to put that on other people. I don't want to feel like someone has to take care of me emotionally. Because my ex would always say, well, I just take care of you after your abortion. Or I just take care of you. And I know that's silly because that was reciprocal. I took care of them much more than they took fucking care of me. But it just invalidates my feelings. And my therapist says that, like, I've been I've been trained by, like, the past few men that I've dated that, like, my feelings aren't valid. Like, unless – I've been trained that unless someone is in the right headspace, the perfect headspace to listen and be there for me, that I am not allowed to even say how I feel. But that leads me to be – to waiting for a perfect time to say how I feel, and I just never say it. And it's like, when I'm in a bad spot, if someone that I love or care about, like, comes to me, like, maybe I can't drop everything, but I will at least let them know – Um you know, why I can't or I'll at least try a little bit. And I've been kind of trained that either I'm not allowed to talk about it or um, when I talk when I talk about it, I have to wait for the right time. Otherwise, they'll disappear and I'm too hard. Like, I'm too hard to deal with. And I just don't... I don't know if any... I, surely some of you can relate to this. Um, so I'm just in this really weird spot where I don't know what's going on. I have therapy tomorrow morning, but like... And I'm sure I'll get some clarity. I get so much clarity from therapy. I get so much clarity. Like every time I'm like, oh my God, why was I even upset about this yesterday or this after? Like I'll go in fucking feeling like an anxious wreck and then I'll leave and I'll be like, wow, like everything is so clear. Sometimes you just need a third party that isn't your friend, that isn't going to be like, babe, you're worth more than this. Because I actually don't know. And I also don't know, I really struggle. I'm sure people that have been in emotionally abusive or manipulative relationships can understand that you learn, you unlearn healthy boundaries and healthy actions. And sometimes that will manifest in a way where you will overly share what you need and then you'll be, you know, quote unquote needy or smothering or, you know, that's when people are like, oh, like she's needy, she's like obsessive, she's smothering. Because you don't know what the boundaries are and you feel like you deserve more attention and more affection, which you fucking deserve, you know, you deserve that. But sometimes it can be smothering for the other person and overwhelming. Or you do what I do and you shut the fuck up and talk to your podcast about it, despite the fact everyone can listen to this. <laughs> but you like, I don't say anything. I never said anything. I would have, I would have, like my ex-boyfriend would give me STIs and I wouldn't get mad at him. Like, I don't bring things up. I do not bring things up because I'm so scared of that person either leaving or thinking that I'm difficult. When things upset me, it takes me so much to bring something up. So what I'll do is I'll just go quiet or I'll just cry and or just say that I feel anxious or say that I feel yuck. Be like, oh, I just feel weird today. Sorry. Because I, 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 
I've taught myself after so long with someone who neglected my needs and my emotional needs that I need to deal with it myself. And no one else is going to help me. And it's, in fact, selfish of me to want someone to help me. Because um, even when my ex and I were breaking up, he'd be like, you know, there were periods there where you just weren't happy and it was exhausting for me to take care of you. And I'd be like, what, after my abortion? like, And when you were cheating on me, like, what do you mean? <laughs> anyway, so that first 20 minutes was just me crying, LMAO. Um... Let me know via DMs on my Instagram, Abby Chatfield, not on the podcast one. Um, if you, I don't know, if you relate to that, if you understand my tomato analogy, it didn't really make sense. Like, I think it did, but I'm not sure if it was making sense to you all. Basically, something small was setting me off, triggering me to feel like it's the same action as the last person they're doing, but it's not. And I know logically it's not, but I'm having, I'm honestly borderline, like, immobile like I cannot move from my bed from anxiety and it isn't just from this thing there's also other things going on other reasons why I feel anxious and yeah I think I'm just I'm just trying to remember that like healing is not linear and healing is you know ebbs and flows and sometimes I'll have these moments and then a couple of weeks or days later I'll be like wow like that was just a little blip um I felt this on the bachelor like I literally felt like all my work the year before in therapy um in and out of therapy really um was gone because of the bachelor i really i really was like it's gone but i just i have the building blocks i've just had you know a little wobble it's like i've fallen off the i've fallen off the wall and i've just got to climb back up again and have to build the whole thing again you know it's still there the foundation's still there i've just got to get back up on that spot um but yeah my anxiety is a through the roof so i've been just trying to like I've been, like, just trying to, like, read a bit, which is really helping. I've been reading um, Such a Fun Age, which Shameless recommended, I think, like, a year ago. And I bought it at the time, and I never find time to read. And I'm forcing myself to read, like, an hour a day. And it's been so relaxing. Um, and I've been, you know, I've got therapy tomorrow morning. Poor, poor little therapist. My poor little therapist having to deal with me every couple of weeks. <laughs> And yeah, there's just a lot going on. But you know what the biggest thing that's gone on since I fucking uploaded an episode is? The US election. What the fuck? All right. So back on to, I guess not happier topics, but like more interesting topics than me. Crying. Um, Dude, what the fuck? I did a rant on my Instagram stories about this. I'm just going to explain something to you all that... I'm, I don't mean this in a condescending way. I really don't think a lot of people understand this about economies. I truly don't think people understand this. Let me have a sip of my um, Saintly Seltzer. Lol. Spotcon. Well, this, this is not sponsored this episode. I just love you, Saintly. So, obviously, if you listen to this podcast, I would assume you're anti-Trump. If you're pro-Trump and listen to this podcast, I am really confused as to what the fuck you see in me. Um, our views do not align and I do not like you. So, and that may seem harsh, but it's the reality. I hate this bullshit of like, if you can't be friends or respect people with different opinions and how can... Okay, a differing opinion is literally like, I like my grapefruit seltzer over my watermelon seltzer. That's differing opinions. Even differing like political opinions, like, I can't even fucking think of one, but like, 
Okay, example. Bondi Beach, there was this thing that they wanted to put like a beach club on Bondi Beach. And like it would it would be really good for the local economy, right? Whatever the fuck. Um, I think it's the most disgusting idea in the fucking world and we should just leave Australian beaches as they are because I don't want to be like Europe where you have to pay to go on the beach and the cabanas. And yuck. It's disgusting. You could drink on the beach. Yuck. I hate it. So, and being from the Gold Coast, I'm like, do not touch our fucking beaches. But that is like a political opinion that can be, you know, spoken about. And like, I get what you're saying. Yeah, cool. Like if you're a property developer and, you know, I've worked in property, so I understand both sides. I fucking disagree with it. But I get what you're saying. This isn't about human rights. (laughs) This isn't about like abortion rights or like racism. This is about like, should we put cabanas on the beach? Yes or no? (laughs) Trump is, first of all, can't even fucking do a proper speech to start with. I'm not sure if any of you have seen those TikToks people are reading out or like animating speeches that Trump gives. They're absolutely ridiculous. They don't make any sense. He is a racist who won't denounce white supremacy, which is extremely dangerous. That is extremely dangerous. To not outright denounce white supremacy when you were asked a direct question is fucking wild. People are saying, well, that doesn't mean he supports it. Yes, it fucking does. Having a president of the United States, one of the most powerful countries in the world, if not the most powerful, financially, economically, politically, socially as well. Like, imagine how many social standards Americans set for us. Having the leader of one of the most powerful countries in the world not denounce racism implies that he supports it. He knows that he cannot support it vocally because other world leaders would be like what the fuck and the rest of Americans would probably be like what the fuck and rightfully so but in not denouncing it he knows that a lot of his political base and his supporters are white supremacists or at least believe in and I fucking I hate even saying this term but white power fucked 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 so he they're at least a little bit racist. He knows a large basis of his voters. So he knows if he denounces white supremacy, you know, white supremacists are gone. And people do claim themselves to be white supremacists. This isn't an abstract thought that people have. You know, I think it's more likely, again, I don't know the stats, but I would assume it's more likely for someone to claim themselves to be a white supremacist than to be a racist because they believe it's about progressing the white race, which shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And they go, well, it's the same as black power. It's really not. Black power is about empowering an oppressed minority who was brought to the US and has been colonized in other parts of the world and been oppressed for generations and generations and generations. For them to have their power is them finding their power. And it's about focusing on the progression of that minority whatever minority it is, whether it's a race or it's a LGBTQIA plus community, whatever minority or oppressed group it is, they're finding their power and harnessing that so that they can get to the same level as white people or as straight people or as cis people, right? They're trying to get that power back. White supremacists already have the fucking power. White people have the power. (laughs) Like, what the fuck, man? So we can't... (laughs) We can't want white power. We have white power. When you say white power, it is focused on the continual oppression of other races or other minorities. It isn't focused on the progression of the quote-unquote white 
race. I saw some, a TikTok actually um, that was talking about how there can't be the progression of white culture because white people are made up of all different um, like n- like nationalities that we know where we come from. Right? We have the privilege of knowing exactly what country we come from. I mean, when you ask any white person, you say, what are you? I mean, I go, oh, I'm like I'm Australian, like we're first fleet convicts. My grandma is Polish. Uh, my grandpa is Scottish, but that's like four generations back. Like I know, you know, genuinely where my family come from, we're a bit Welsh. Like I know, right? Um, but for people who were enslaved from Africa and brought to the US or brought to other parts uh, of the world, they don't have that ability to know where they come from. So that's where black culture comes from because they had to create a culture in order to have an identity that was stripped from them upon their enslavement. I hope that's the right word. But upon And then continued oppression. So that's why there is black culture. When it comes to white culture, what the fuck is white culture? We don't have a unified culture, really. There are, there's American culture, there's Australian culture, there's Canadian culture. You know, there are, there are cultures that exist in predominantly white countries, but I, there's no like overall white culture. Let me know if I'm wrong in that. I meet, I learned this from TikTok. Like that's why there's need for black culture. Anyway, hate you white supremacists. That's the first fucking reason why Donald Trump's a cunt. Also separations at the border. You're a cunt. Um, trying to get rid of abortion laws because the evangelicals are a huge support base evangelicals used to not support republicans until suddenly they fucking did i think in the reagan era again don't quote me on this please and also if i'm wrong i'm sorry but i'm you know i'm not really sure but there was a certain era in which evangelicals turned into republicans and right wing and that's when republicans started being anti-abortion of sorts i believe so he then has support from evangelicals on the right as well who think he's like the divine right of being the uh, leader of the US. He's not even a fucking Christian. Joe Biden has been a Catholic his whole life. When they asked Trump what his favorite part of the Bible was, he said all of it. Like, what, dude? Like, it's like, oh, when you see someone wearing like a band t shirt, like, what's your favorite album? Like, oh, can't, can't choose. It's all good. Haven't listened. Like, vibes. Basically, he's a piece of shit. But. The one redeeming thing that people tend to have trouble rebutting or they tend to agree with or they'll say, yeah, he's all these things. He's racist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic. But he's a good businessman. It irks me to no fucking end. It makes me so fucking angry. I'm like, first of all, why are you saying that? As though being a good businessman negates all those awful, 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 disgusting, deplorable things you've just said. Like, why are you saying like, well, you know, he can make money. Okay. And what's he going to do with that money if he has his policies? Also, Trump isn't a good businessman. We know this for a fact. I think he's in like almost half a billion dollars of debt right now the fuck um but let's say he were let's say he were a good businessman let's say in theory because you know you can't argue with trump supporters or even trump apologists um so again i don't mean to say this in a patronizing way i'm not trying to say at all that you're you're stupid if you don't know this but this is genuinely something that i've had to teach like some of my friends people that i know that are adults just like how to understand this 
the way a nation's economy is run isn't the same as a household economy, right? So the a country's economy isn't the same as a household budget is a better way to say it. So when you and I have our budgets, our personal budgets, we think, all right, so I'm going to spend less here, make more here. If I can, I'll do a little extra job on the side. I'll get that money and then I can spend more or I can save it and put it away for a rainy day. That's how we work, basically, right? I can get a little bit of debt here. I have to pay it back and then I can have little plans and I have a budget for the week and I'm making money and it's all good and I've got some sucked away. That's all fine and dandy. And a country's economy and a country's budget can be structured in one of many ways and the variables aren't as simple as I won't go out for dinner this week to make up for the fact that I earned less money. It's things like we'll have tax cuts on billionaires and we won't give poor people housing. (laughs) like it's a bit more serious than a household budget. That's first and foremost, the decisions that are being made. So the way you comprise your household budget, it doesn't really matter as long as you're saving money, right? Like to me anyway, I don't really mind. There are things that I prefer to do and choices that I make, but it doesn't really, it's kind of inconsequential how I spend my money. If I go to Macca's for dinner or if I go to like a nice bougie restaurant, like if I'm making the money up somewhere, it doesn't really matter. It all adds up in the end to be like a positive or a negative for the week. However, the way that a country's budget can be structured can be taking from things like welfare, um, from healthcare, from roads, from schooling to make up for a tax break. Or it can tax the rich, tax those earning over, for example, with Biden's plan, $400,000 a year or more, which is a lot of fucking money, particularly in US dollars. And then give that to uh, welfare and other programs that are in need. I mean, I'm not saying this is exactly Trump's plan. I'm not saying exactly Biden's plan, but I'm saying in general, this is how uh, economies work. Governments exist not to make money. It's something that people really struggle to wrap their heads around. It's something that I learned in grade 10 economics. So it's kind of like it's in, it's been in my zeitgeist for my whole life of understanding this, but I completely understand that this is hard to comprehend. Why would we not want to be in a surplus all the time? In certain times of economic struggle or success, it's beneficial to be in a surplus or in a deficit. So sometimes it'll be good to be in a deficit because you can inject money into the economy. Like for example, during the Great Depression, again, um, if I'm wrong, uh, please DM me and correct me, but from what I remember from my economics uh, in high school and also the start of my degree is during the Great Depression, they had to inject into the economy. So that's like essentially if you can like pay people to dig holes, then they'll have money to spend at businesses. Those businesses will make more money. They'll be more tax revenue and then that will be like a endless cycle, right? So having a deficit for a moment in order to give people money to be able to spend the money helps. So we aren't always trying to make money. We're not trying to be a profitable nation. Like we're we're trying to – a government is supposed to exist to make its citizens' lives better, not to make shmoney, like not to profit off their people. If that were the case, if the only thing that we needed from a government was for them to make money as a country as though we're a team – 
then we could just say, okay, we'll get rid of all welfare, get rid of all schooling, get rid of all government funding, get rid of all hex, get rid of everything like that, um, get rid of all government spending and just tax us as normal and we'll just make more money. But that's not what we want. We need to be able to have an economy that can both be growing in GDP, that can have employment rates, unemployment rates, sorry, very low, and that can also have people living happy, healthy lives. There's no point saving for a better day because the day that we're living is right now. There's no point wanting a country to save for a rainy day because people are existing right now. And if you get rid of important structures such as welfare or minimize them, like in the US, people not having healthcare is killing people. People die because they can't afford their insulin shots. People are dying of coronavirus because they cannot afford to go to the hospital. Going to a hospital in America, if you don't have healthcare, if you don't have health insurance and benefits from your job, can bankrupt you easily, easily. I mean, when you look at the cost of an ambulance, it's astronomical in the US. That alone is more than what most people have in savings in Australia. And we have a higher average income. We have minimum wage that is above, I think it's, God, it, it's not very fucking much in the US. I think Joe Biden wanted to raise it to $15. Not 100% sure, but they're fighting to get their minimum wage raised to less than Australia's minimum wage. I'm not saying that we have a perfect economy. I'm not saying we have a perfect government by far. I fucking hate ScoMo. But what I'm saying is the US is a very capitalist country. And because of that, their mindset is if he's a good businessman and he makes money, therefore it's good for me. But unfortunately what Trump is doing is, and what Trump did um, was sell the American dream to people who were never going to reach it, people who were never going to benefit from his tax deductions, people who are never going to reach that point that he is at because they are under the foot of capitalism and they are being held down by lack of welfare, by lack of opportunities, by lack of healthcare. They are they are being oppressed by someone that they've got into power. And this is like not saying the white people are oppressed, but they are being given more hurdles because of someone they are, they elected in 2016. They didn't elect this year, but they elected in 2016 who they thought was going to make them have the American dream. It's, it's very interesting the way that they vote for tax cuts when the tax cuts only really come from the rich. I mean, he didn't even pay $1,000 in tax over, God, I think it was three years. Look, all my numbers are wrong. All my facts are wrong. This isn't a political podcast, lol. Um, I honestly don't have time to do the research on the numbers. Sorry, guys. But, you know, my my thought my thoughts are still here, so I'm sorry that this is very poorly researched and the numbers are wrong, but my theories remain. My theories remain. Um, so, yeah, basically Trump being a good businessman doesn't really – um, do anything for me. Uh, what does do something against me is the not denouncing white supremacy. It's not denouncing white supremacy for me. It's rape allegations for me. It's grabbed by the pussy for me. It's all those fucked up things he does and says to me. It was the fucking travel ban in 2017 for me. The first thing that he did that we all seem to forget about is impeachment for me. The Trump train seems to work in a way that he does something fucking wild almost every day. I mean, he hasn't ever since he lost the election, but for the last four years, there's been something fucking crazy every day, whether it's a wild treat, a wild treat, a wild tweet, um, or it's an extremely harmful policy. And it's like, we forget about all these other hideous things that happen in between, whether they are small or big. We, 
there is something more to keep us shocked. There is, there is a bigger news cycle, a faster news cycle with him than there has been with any other president because he just keeps things going and makes people forget the other things that he's done. I find it very interesting as well. Like I, I was, I was, I heard a podcast and uh, someone was speaking about why Trump supporters um, are usually. Uh, I thought this was quite funny, and this isn't fact, but I thought this was an interesting thought at the very least, and I agree with it. Why are Trump supporters are often um, uneducated white men, <laughs> and that's hideous that that that's the case. So that's his um, his voter base, but. It's because they think if they were president, that's how they would act. Because he's acting, he is a he's a white man, and he's acting uneducated. Um, he's saying stupid things. He has no decorum. He isn't very. He isn't presidential at all. So they feel like they can see themselves in the president, and that's fucking scary when you have uneducated white men thinking that's how I would act in office. Therefore, I'm going to vote for that person. We need to vote for people that we are most like. Um, we need to vote for people that, that have the same values as us. And that brings me around to, I guess, a little touch on Australian politics. I think a lot of people, I'm sure the people listening to this vote Liberal or Labor um, or Greens just because they either always have or their family always have. And a lot of my friends from high school um, vote Liberal because uh, I went to a private girls' school and their parents would vote Liberal and they – it was almost, it was almost like a sport, not quite as bipartisan as it is in the US, but it was almost like, yeah, it was like, fuck Labor, go Liberal. And I never really understood that. And ever since I've started voting, I've used the ABC Vote Compass. Now, there are a lot of different versions of this on the internet where you can get that graph and it's like four quadrants and you get placed in a certain quadrant and it tells you what political you answer these questions that tells you which political which side of the political spectrum you sit on and I find this to be a really really valuable uh resource during election time so I would I would really really love if at least one person during the next election whether it's a local election or uh, or a national election federal election before you vote go into the ABC Vote Compass and answer the questions and it will tell you who you probably should vote for that align with your views. I mean, I voted Greens every time and I don't think I've ever had um, uh, an answer come out that wasn't Greens. I've always, like, my lines 100% align with the Greens. But I still do the Vote Compass every single time, even though I know every time I do it I'm going to get the Greens. It makes sure that I'm informed when I vote. It makes sure that I'm voting for the right person that aligns with my views, not just who my parents have voted for or my friends are voting for or doing a donkey vote. Voting is so imperative to a democracy, obviously. It's the whole point of a democracy, but it's very important as young people, particularly that we are engaged in politics and we understand who we're voting for and why we're voting for them. It's important that we don't allow the government to rip First Nations people of any more of their fucking culture, despite the fact that they're going to just to create mines or to tear down birthing trees. It's important that we understand where our money's going, where our, how our schooling's going. It's important we understand where our energy is going to come from in the future, how we're going to have our climate affected. There are so many things we need to be focusing on as young people because we're the next generation. I mean, I'm 25 and 
I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much an adult now, pretty much surely. And it fucking, it fucking terrifies me that this older generation are still in charge, still have power. And I think if all of you were informed on where your views, where your views are aligned to which party, we would have a very different government. I really think that I really think if everyone in Australia before they voted, it was a mandatory vote compass and you got to at least see where you sit and who you should vote for <laughs> you. I think the I think the whole game of politics would change. I think a lot of the, the way that people are elected comes from tradition and doesn't come from information. So yeah, that's how I feel. I feel like perhaps we're heading towards where America is right now, but um, hopefully not. All right. Well, this is a short one. Um, that was all I wanted to to rant about. Um, just back to the top of the the show um, when I was having a cry about being triggered. I hope at least I hope at least one of you can hear this and and realize that. like everyone has their shitty days, everyone has their off days, particularly when you're recovering from a trauma like that. Um, It's really difficult to see the light at the end, particularly when you have anxiety or depression or any other mental health issue. It's hard to see that you're going to feel okay again. I guess in any breakup, you feel like you can't be comfortable. You feel like you feel like wriggling out of your skin at at all times, and you feel like you question yourself and you question your self worth. You also question, you know, what's reality and what's not. Um, and it's something that's very difficult to deal with. But I hope that someone listening can relate to me crying, and can relate to me, you know trying to be really open and honest with you guys and you can see that you're not alone if you're having a shitty fucking day. So if you are having a shitty day, if you're having a shitty breakup, um, don't spend your time shitting on your ex. Don't spend your time like, well, he's a fucking idiot anyway. You can do that for a little bit with your girlfriends when you drink. Fuck yeah. But take some time and figure out what you need to do to make yourself happy by yourself. Listen to Vera Blue's perennial album. Can't recommend it enough for a breaker. But take some time. Be like, what do I actually like to do? Because often we lose ourselves in relationships, particularly narcissistic relationships. And you don't really know what you want or what you need outside of that person because your entire energy is spent craving and, and needing validation from that person. They don't know what you actually want outside of them. So take some time. Go to the beach, read a book, find something to occupy your mind, um, have a breather. And remember, you are a whole person without them. You don't need to find someone that's going to complete you. You need to find someone that's going to compliment you and support you and lift you up. And that's cliche as fuck, but I'm going to leave you with that. Have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful New Year. Have wonderful whatever you celebrate. Um... And yeah, thank you so much for listening this year. I think we've got like 1.7 million listens or something. It's, it's, 
throughout the year. It's been absolutely wild. I started this podcast because I felt like I just wanted to rant and things to say and the people that I want to talk to. And it's just been so wonderful. It's my favorite thing that I do. Um, and it's really rewarding. As always, uh, if you have any suggestions, any questions, any topics, if you would like to be a guest and you think you have something to add to my podcast, please email hello at itslotpodcast.com. There is some merch dropping over Christmas, some um, restocks. So I will post on my Instagram and on the podcast Instagram at itslotpod when that drops. And um, yeah. (laughs) 